stories, teachings, and guidance. Welcome to the Women's Moon Wisdom Podcast with your host, Rebecca Rankin. Welcome to the Women's Moon Wisdom Podcast. Today we are in for a real treat. I am so honored and so humbled to have such a knowledgeable guest on the show, sharing her wisdom with all of us. Shauna Zalazo is a author, a psychotherapist, and intuitive channel. Welcome to the show, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be in conversation with you today. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, Shauna, so I love hearing about people's journey into like living their soul's purpose. Can you just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and the journey that's led you to to hear, right? As an intuitive channel, as a spiritual counselor? Absolutely. So um, the my I would say my intuition has always been, or or I should maybe say my spirituality has been my most salient identity really since I was a little child. And so um, I, I originally experienced <laughs> the intuitive process uh, as a young child, and I had a wonderfully open and incredibly psychic mother who was very uh, supportive of the expansion of my intuition and taught me how to ground and how to have sacred boundaries and all of the things that made being sensitive um, easier <laughs> and to be able to engage um, with my intuition from a strengths perspective or strengths-based perspective. So ultimately, uh, I, I also had an interest, oddly, perhaps in end of life as even as a young child. And so this really uh, positioned me to explore different healing modalities to be present with folks at the end of life. So it might, I originally went into massage therapy and, and energy work to be able to provide this at end of life. But when my mother died, I was 19 and I was present with her as she took her last breath. And this experience for me felt like an initiatory process of working with people at the end of life and more specifically in transition. So I, I sort of, combined the various healing modalities that I acquired over time, became a licensed psychotherapist and did hospice social work for a, a while and then went into private practice providing grief counseling and as well as traditional psychotherapy. Um, but ultimately all along, I was experiencing the my work with people from an intuitive perspective as well. Um, and so it became harder to sort of keep them separate and to really just wear the hat as psychotherapist. Um, and so I made the decision to, to shift the way I work and to stop doing psychotherapy and to do more of the soul-based work to, to, to be able to share what I was seeing and what I saw as the origin of what was presenting in my psychotherapy practice, you know, because some of it was past life and some of it was, you know, karmic balancing and soul contracts that were playing out. And in that context, I wasn't really able to express that. So eventually I came to uh, shift my practice to do what I describe as soul readings and to work with people in a still doing spiritual counseling, but without outside of the framework of traditional psychotherapy. So, um, and ultimately all along the, my inner process has connected me. I've been very connected with the divine feminine, um, all along. It just is something I came in with, um, interested in all the various expressions of the divine feminine. Um, and so it was in 
exploration, further exploration of the divine feminine that I found in Nana and, uh, and realized that a lot of my orientation was quite aligned with hers in the sense that she is, she is a goddess of ascension. So she teaches about ascension, but she's also a goddess of the death mysteries. So this idea and this interplay between birth and death, um, which created this beautiful connection with her. I opened to this connection with her and that was sort of where I landed today and just felt a sort of tap on my shoulder from her to um, create a sort of like a, I would say a, a way to bring her, her wisdom out into the world. And that was the book that I wrote recently. So that's how I came to where I am today. <laughs> oh, and what an amazing journey and how like amazing is it that you know, you had this gift at such a young age and that you were able to like keep it right and not be told to, to ignore that side of you, you know, that you, your mother really supported you and supported that, that she saw that side of you and really helped like nourish that and nurture that. Like that is amazing. I think. And for that, like gift to really be present your whole life. Man, that's awesome. (laughs) It is. Thank you, mom. Because for sure, that's what I grew up. She was very, very in touch with her own intuition. And so, you know, her, the interest like she, that she, she nurtured within her own life really was around the things that I'm still doing today. You know, like she was a nurse and she would tell me how, um, when she was at work with her clients, her patients that were in a coma, for example, that she would talk to them and she told me how they could hear. And and just really early on, she talked to me about her understanding of death. So I just, I I genuinely am not afraid of it just because as a child, I I didn't, I didn't have to unpack or un, uh, sort of peel back layers of fear around death. I just never had it, you know? Yes. So thank you. Thank you to my mother, (laughs) but also for the books that were on her shelf and her interest in crystals and all the things, you know, that were just, I just grew up with. So it wasn't odd, you know, for me. Yeah. And I think you said that, right. Is like, you didn't have to unpack Mm -hmm. all the, the layers of, of, you know, accumulation of, of society's naysaying or whatever saying. (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly, uh, you know, when I look at my journey from this perspective today, I see it from the lens of sort of like what I see, how I understand myself throughout history. And it feels like I have historically been in devotion to uh, really the goddess. So I feel in general, like the goddess in general, capital G. (laughs) So I feel like my trajectory feels like the, the pursuit of a priestess, like in devotion to, and desiring to be in connection to the all. And so when I look back at my life, it looks clearly, and that's what the aim of my book was really to help others to see it from this lens too. It really felt like a very significant initiation, you know, and all the experiences that I had. So, um, so I would say that my mother prepared me to have that lens and hold that lens throughout my life, which I'm so grateful for. <laughs> and you mentioned, so you've been really, you know, your, your life's work and really just, you mentioned you've been in devotion to, to the goddess. Can you just talk to us about how working with a goddess can help support 
a deeper relationship with, with self and the world around us. I think it's a topic that, um, you know, I know myself are, is are so interested in, and um, there's a lot of unpacking in my own uh, world around this. So I'd love for, for your thoughts around it. Absolutely. So the energy, so the, certainly we can conceptualize everything coming from a womb, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So this creative energy. So to conceptualize the divine mother, of course, the beautiful thing about goddess cultures is that it, like way back in even Neolithic time, this idea of, of the mother or the goddess being not in not in a position of dominance. So when patriarchy came in, there was a shift to a dominance or control or power over. And the goddess cultures were not desiring to have power over. They weren't desiring to be in a place of dominance. They were desiring to be in alignment with, in balance with. And yet they claimed their authority and their power, and but not in a way that was um, holding anything down. And so the the devotion to or connection to the goddess, if today brings us into all that is represented by the divine feminine, when, when which has historically, of course, been held down um, through the patriarchy. And so there's an imbalance and the earth herself is, you know, really saying we need to come back into balance. So when we begin to work with the goddess, what we're doing is an expression of the or the the hermetic law of as as within so without or as above so below this concept of beginning to establish that balance internally to create that balance externally and there is a need to reclaim it because it has been held down it's been held under the foot of the patriarchy you know it's almost like the goddess was buried alive and she is rising she is rising in all the beautiful ways and i'm so just so incredibly in awe of the powerful women of Iran right now who are rising. But this is a beautiful example of what that looks like to work with the goddess, not indicating that they are necessarily, but just the idea that goddess consciousness is about unity. It is about unconditional love. It is about compassion. Um, and it's definitely collaborative. And that really is how I understand things are going to shift in our world today. If we stop, if we move out of separation consciousness and move into unity, but also collaborate, you know, which is why one of the reasons why I love what you're doing as a, you know, in your work, in the circles that you hold, but also in the podcast that you have, because it is, it's collaborative. And that seems the way, uh, but, but when we do this, be prepared. <laughs> so when we begin to say, okay, I am ready, uh, to connect with or or work with the goddess in my life, be prepared because what happens is, and, and it's beautiful. It's not it's not a warning in a negative way, but it's a, it's you know it's kind of like if you go out surfing, like you have to understand like the the mother ocean is she's powerful, right? And so what I mean by this is if you're if you she will never violate your free will. But if you say, I am ready to reclaim this within myself, then what will emerge is what's ready to heal, right? And so that's that experience is, can be intense, you know? And for me, really the the that which emerged in in my work with, especially with Inanna, was all the fear of being heard, seen, um, witnessed. That came up in a huge way. Uh, for me, and she really helped dissolve that. So you all have your, you will, we will all have our own inner 
wounding that surfaces when we begin to heal but working with the goddess she's bringing you into balance so anything that's creating an imbalance is going to emerge and not in a negative way she'll hold you and you can draw on her energy and her strength and her power to move through it but be ready for transformation <laughs> yes oh my gosh oh i have like full body chills on on all of that <laughs> when we, I feel that when we really reclaim that part of us, right, that has been silenced, that's been, you know, muted, that's been kept under underground, when we allow that to surface, yeah, shifts happen, transformations happen. And it's so powerful and empowering. When we do that work within ourselves, you just see how it affects everyone else. You see how it affects like the, the earth. You know, even when we see it reflected in the earth, we can then like use that as a mirror for ourselves, right? When we see like mother earth is like saying now, now is the time, like we all must rise. We have to do the work within ourselves and that's going to then help heal the earth and vice versa. Do things in a, in a way that's going to help heal the earth is going to then heal that, that part of us inside. Oh, it's so, so powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying there too, because when we look to the earth, we, when we do our own internal shift, we're, we're assisting in pulling her up mother earth in her own rise, you know? So there's something, and she's of course, helping us. We're here in, in this time, this such a beautiful, significant time, just, you know, we're really still in the middle of the solstice and it's a powerful, powerful time. Uh, to be incarnate on the earth plane. So every one of us, literally every one of us who had the courage to incarnate during this particular historical period is madly courageous. And it's so important to see that in yourself because we're doing something so significant in this, in this willingness to rise, in this willingness to reclaim balance. So it's definitely a, an incredibly powerful time right now. <laughs> yes. Now you have this deep connection with the goddess Anana. Can you tell us like just a little bit more about her and why you were drawn specifically to her? Absolutely. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> I love her so much. So originally, uh, so God, Inanna is a Sumerian goddess of love and war. She has many epitaphs. So she also is known as the morning and the evening star. She's known as the goddess of thunderstorm and thunderstorms and rain. Um, and we see her evolve into Ishtar and, and Aphrodite, and she's connected uh, as the morning and evening star to Venus. So we see her in these other cultural expressions. Um, but what's so cool and beautiful and wonderful about Inanna is that she really preceded these other ex uh, expressions. And even, you know, in her story, her, her most well-known myth is the descent of Inanna. Most folks, if they have any experience with Inanna, will know this one. And, and this was the first one I experienced. I, I stumbled upon this and just fell into her because she's, she's just amazing. But I really feel like she's here now. She is reaching out. It's not just to me. She is reaching out to people all across, uh, across the world. And, and they are remembering her because what she embodies is what we need right now uh, for the for the divine feminine. She is the goddess of love and war. So she has the capacity. I don't see her as violent. I mean, she's definitely been depicted in her poet in the some of the beautiful poetry that was um, that we have access to about her. 
there's a, you know, she can be experienced that way in some of that writing, but I, I personally experience her as being a warrior of light, someone who has the fierce capacity to bring about what she desires to restore this balance. So that's something, you know, again, I just want to just honor the beautiful, amazing, powerful women of Iran, because that's what I see. They have warrior energy within them to say, I'm not being held down anymore. And that's very much what Inanna represents to me. So the descent story really is a story of ascension, wherein she is called to journey to the underworld. She is the queen of heaven and earth, and she's called to explore the underworld. And uh, this is a world from which no one returns. And yet, again, what I love so much about Inanna is she has a faith in herself, and she knows internally that, yes, that may be true, but for her, it will be different. Like she has this access to an inner knowing that she will rise. Um, and that's a message we all can tap into from her. Um, and as I studied her further, so this story of Ascension preceded Christ's story. And a lot of the symbolism in the descent of Inanna is shows up in Christ's journey, the three days and the three nights. She uh, is, she has an experience of dying and then resurrecting after three days and three nights. She's also hung, her corpse is hung on a nail on the wall, which of course is very much like the crucifix crucifixion. So why I find that significant is it put, positions us in a, in a, a, we see this story being played out by a feminine role model. And that I feel like is so important because that's not how we experience it generally um, with our, with these other beautiful stories and beautiful experiences, even in the story of Osiris and Isis. Uh, this All of that came after Inanna. So we're going back to the beginning where we see this presentation of the divine feminine whose energy and power is intact. And um, before it was treaded upon and, you know, held down. So this is the energy she's gifting us so we can reclaim it. And as I explored more of her myths, I saw that there was a, a way that they really speak to contemporary experiences that we're having in the now, like addiction and, um, you know, body image, uh, experience, you know, self-esteem and body image and about sacred boundaries. So I saw these, I would say, sort of challenges perhaps that we are experiencing today in her mythology and aligned them with uh, the various chakras in our body. Because I, in the journey to the underworld, Inanna comes to seven gates. Before she can enter, she is told to remove one of her royal attributes at each gate, which is very symbolic of the purification or the healing that we were talking about earlier about when you start to work with the goddess, get ready because transformation will unfold. And that transformation is, is a healing. We all hold, just by virtue of coming into the physical world, experiences that may be um, want to be reconciled. And they may be stored within the various chakras, which is how I read the seven gates. I align it with the energy centers, not specifically just that area of the body, but what that represents, right? Like if it's the throat chakra, not just in the throat, though many of us who are listening to this podcast have likely endured some literal silencing. Um, but, but ultimately it's the message of reclaiming voice, for example, in the throat chakra. So 
what, and even Christ's story and the beautiful, beautiful, amazing Mary Magdalene represents in the gospel of Mary, just this purification process, which is what I see happening in the seven gates. I see she's releasing a, a, one of her royal attributes. And by way of that, she is, she is in essence, symbolically healing and releasing it's a non-attachment or a, a movement into non-attachment which we need for ascension so it's a lightening or a, or a dropping of the heavier wounding into a higher vibration that allows us to rise that is part of our ascension process so i use the seven gates that anana comes to as the chapters that i have in my book and and, and i align it with the various chakras as an invitation for us to heal you know um it's not sequential i don't go through the um the chakra system neatly from the root to the crown, but uh, for deliberate reasons, because it's not how we heal necessarily. Um, but, but ultimately when I delved, when I really explored uh, the Sumerian mythology, I just saw, I saw so much of what is occurring today and just wanted to bring that forward because it feels like Inanna, Inanna was definitely encouraging this. She was definitely pulling it through me. It, like I, I love how you have done that in in your book. Is that you, you, you know, you structure, you, you share the the myth, and then you you share it. What it's like for us, you know, in modern times. And there were so many. I feel like each gate, each chapter that I read, I was like, oh yeah, this resonates deep, you know, on all the different levels. And it was, it's just structured in a way to make it accessible for us to like honor Inanna now to honor the you know the goddess now and I think like for a lot of us especially you know I grew up going to church on Sunday and while uh I'm way more spiritual now than I ever was like growing up um perhaps having this representation of the goddess that we can really lean into to, to heal to, to work with uh you've done it in a way that's just it's just beautiful because some of our listeners probably haven't uh, read the book, I realize. Can you share a little bit about uh, about the the book, how it's structured, um, to support an empowered perspective of one's own life? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And I'll just say the name of it. Just the book is called The Way of Anana: A Heroine's oh, yeah. Guide Oops. to Living. No, no, it's perfect. Um, <laughs> a Heroine's Guide to Living Unapologetically. And the reason why I want to say that title is because that's something that I see in her. She she is absolutely. Um, she embodies her polarities unapologetically. So she's fiercely loving, you know, um, and she's she is patient and impatient. Quite a, a lot of her mythology reflect her impatience, which I love so much because I see that in myself, you know, and so many, so often we want to get to where we're going and skip the journey, you know, and so that impatience is present. Um, but, but also she's very in her body. Her mythology represents how, you know, she is a goddess, she is divine. And yet her mythology is all about her body and her holy vulva and her celebration of her sacred sexuality and her beauty and her glory. And she owns it. Even when she goes down to the underworld where she's literally going into the great below, she shows up and bangs on the door of the, out, the outer gate of the underworld, dressed to the nines, you know, she's, re she's reminding us to stand in our glory in every moment to own it, to, to, to be unapologetically extraordinary, <laughs> you know? So, um, the way that I structure it is that I, I lead each chapter with the an, one of her actual myths and retell it. And then I 
bring it alongside what we're struggling with today, like for example, uh, addiction. Um, and then I offer an, a, a healing ritual or healing intervention at the end, which is either a meditation or a ritual. And one of the reasons why I feel like this is uh, supportive of, of our experience today is because it invites us to experience everything that shows up in our life from the perspective of an initiation. How is this situation, this person, these circumstances helping me to grow? And when we experience our life from that perspective, we're empowered. We're not feeling like things are being done to us. And there are ways where the, you know, oftentimes, for example, those of us who have walked or are on the spiritual path um, and walking the spiritual path, we might scratch our head and say, huh, I wonder why this experience happened. My intention was to be completely loving. And yet I was experienced perhaps in a different way, you know, and it, again, in such a circumstance, like I'm thinking of, let me give an example of that. Um, a very superficial example would be like, let's imagine we're wanting to lift our sisterhood up and we say something really meant to be a compliment to a, a friend of ours. And because of their own insecurity around it or whatever, they interpret it as a criticism. And we can sit there and scratch our head and say, why the heck did that happen? I was truly aligned with my pure intention. And um, their experience is that we hurt them, right? And we're like, oh, that's like the opposite. I was trying to, I love you. I was trying to lift you up. But these are ways that we work through the shadow aspects that Inanna represents. She really balances the, the shadow and the light. And her whole journey into the underworld is to reconnect with her her sister self, Ereshkigal, who's the queen of the underworld. So there's this merging of the dark and the light or the shadow and the light, not from a dark meaning negative, just the unresolved, that which was un disavowed, that which was untended and wants to be reconnected with. So these circumstances, and for example, the example I just provided, we get to see in every moment, where is there further growth? So in that circumstance, we might say, I was misunderstood. Or, you know, but it's also an invitation to recognize, for example, that that when our intention is aligned with the highest good, it, it's we can be at peace. If we live from that perspective, if we are always operating from a consciousness where we are truly endeavoring to be loving, we can then let go. Like it's not our responsibility if we said a compliment to somebody and they took it negatively. We can say whatever we want to support them, but it's important for us to be honest with ourselves. Are we saying this because we don't want to be seen as, I don't know, mean or something like this? Or or, you know, like, or is it an opportunity for us to be loving to ourselves and suspend our attempt to rectify the situation and say, wait a minute, I know what's true about me. I know that for me, I meant it in a loving way. And so I let go. I, I, I'm, it is all about non-attachment because ultimately to rise, if there's something that's unresolved, it will act like a, you know, like a, a, a something that will catch us, you know, as we're trying to rise. So every situation, every single situation is invitation to lift our vibration. So if we can train ourselves to look for what is the highest vibrational uh, response to this for ourselves too, because this is so important. It starts within, and that's what Inanna's mythology highlights. Like she is definitely prioritizing herself, but through that, through her inner transformation, everything that she acquires, she then shares with her people. So 
that's symbolic of what's what we can do today. So though the book is structured um, as an invitation <laughs> to reframe the challenges we have perhaps gone through as well as what we experience in everyday life that may seem mundane to hold a lens of it being holy, you know, like that example may seem very insignificant to somebody, but if it leads someone to transform into a self-loving position where they say, you know what, I'm not going to hold this and, and worry about that feeling. I, I hurt somebody's feelings when I didn't mean to, you know, I'm going to let myself off the hook. <laughs> um, then it's powerful and it becomes this incredible transformation. So that's how the book is. That is the hope uh, I have for readers is that they can begin to reframe their perspective of their experience from the, from the lens of an initiatory journey of the, of your own ascension process, you know, to rise. <laughs> yes. And you've done it. So elegantly. And so you, you've done that. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so much. Everyone needs to, to read this book. Get it. <laughs> Thank um, you. And in, in the book, and you mentioned this earlier too, you, uh, which I, I love is that after each chapter, you offer these rituals, or I think you call it healing interventions, because I, I think for a lot of us, it's, you read these, these books and you're like, okay, well, well, how can I do this? Like what, you know, and in a way that feels really sacred and feeling like feeling that you're, you know, transcending a moment into like a holy sacred moment, uh, is something like that a lot of us just crave to have more of that in our life, uh, especially where something could seem as mundane, but to, you know, wrap it around, you know, the thought that, or this could be this holy sacred moment where I am transforming, you know, this initiation to step, uh, you know, to step up and to, to do in order to, to ascend. So can you like, talk a little bit just about those, those rituals at the end? Absolutely. That was really my favorite part of the book because um, it felt like Inanna was you know, coming through and saying, let's do this, let's do this, you know, um, when I was bringing through the actual healing intervention. And one, uh, you know, I, I love ritual for so many reasons. First, the act itself. It's like a, like we're time traveling, or we are walking through the different dimensional experiences. And in that process, we can reclaim and remember parts of ourself from our past, from past lives. And then as we do that, those gifts come forward into the now. So, and ritual, what I love, you know, in psychotherapy, of course, I have such enormous respect and, and uh, appreciation for the modality of psychotherapy. And yet ritual is often very quick. <laughs> so I, I really think that it's powerful for individuals to engage with ritual to feel like they're their own therapist, that they're, you know, get the support you need for sure in, in addition, but there's something so potent about being able to take the matters, take matters into your own hand to, to effectively lay down, you know, put a line in the sand and say, with this ritual, I release and let go of this pattern or, you know, erroneous belief or something like this. Um, and so it, and then what I have experienced personally and with folks that I work with 
it's super, super fast, right? So like, I'm sure that you experience this in the moon circles that you do, you know, the idea of transformation happening quickly once you put it out there in a ritual. Um, and it's using the currents, the energy of the earth herself, especially if we align them on, on days or times that are, feel significant to us, you know? Um, so what the speed with which rituals, uh, kind of the, the change occurs has been something I've been really drawn to, but also the joy, the fun it's art, you know, and it's not one way, right? Like you, there's many rituals that we could sort of re-engage and uh, from the past and and follow to a T, but Inanna's energy is definitely like, oh no, make it your own. Like, don't hold me to anything. I'm not going to be confined in any way. <laughs> like she is like always, <laughs> she is always evolving. Like she really represents the plasticity of the evolution of consciousness. So I love that because that energy really says here, I'm going to offer you, you know, as I did in the book, I'm going to offer you a ritual, but, but take by all means, you know, make it yours. Um, and so there's an art to it, uh, in the same way that you can't, you know, there's not only one way to paint a tree or something. Um, it, it's, it's, so it's creative, but also it's super fun. Right. And when we think of, you know, I, 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 my own experience in psychotherapy, as well as being a psychotherapist, some, I don't know that we would maybe define it as fun. <laughs> you know, uh, it's quite a, quite, sometimes we're diving deep into the shadows, which we need to do, and it's wonderful, but maybe joy, joy, fun might not be the word that we use to describe it. Whereas certainly ritual is fun, especially if we do it uh, in conjunction with others. And there's a power to that. You know, it's like group meditation. It lifts the vibration. It's even more um, intense and it's, it's, but it's also a way to come together in sort of in relationship to who we truly are. Like we, we join together in a circle with others and it brings us back in time into the truth of who we are to our origin. So ritual is absolutely just <laughs> so awesome. And what I love about Inanna is, um, in a lot of the mythology, Inanna is offered beer and, uh, you know, like as an offering for various times of her celebration. And I really love that energy. She, even in that, even that that's, you know, that that travels 4,000 years back to today. What I hear in that is there's a levity to it, you know, like throw us some beer too, you know, like literally um, <laughs> there's something about that. It's like, don't take yourself so seriously, enjoy play, you know, even while you are in devotion and that's the devotion. It's like, well, what are you devoted to? Are you devoted to like something that's rigid or are you devoted to something that's flowing and, and, and expansive the way the goddess, all, all energies and expressions of the goddess is it's expansive, it's circular, it's flowing. Um, it, it's not linear and hard and, you know, confined. So, um, so I, I, ritual to me is something I do personally, and I take it, I am excited for it, for the opportunities to engage in it. And I have seen the fastest transformation in my own personal growth in using ritual. So I had to bring it in. <laughs> yes. And you did it so perfectly too. Thank and you. I, I think for, for myself and my own journey with using ritual for, for transformation, 
the more that I dove into it, the more that I gave myself permission to, like you said, like have levity with it, have fun with it, get creative with it and not feel like it had to be this like strict way. Um, and so hearing you say that about like the goddess energy is fluid, it's, it's flowing, it's, you know, it's, it's shifting it's, um, you know, it reiterated that to, to myself to be like, okay, yes, I can make this my own, especially working, you said with, with Anana, but I, I can shift it in a way that feels, um, you know, appropriate for, for my needs in that moment or that of the groups, um, and still respect that of, uh, of the goddess energy in a way that's not, um, undermining any of that. So absolutely. I, I love that. And I, you know, I, I, I often describe ritual that as something that the, really the only thing you need for ritual is to bring your intention and your attention and be in alignment with the highest good. Like, and there, then after that, like make it your own, <laughs> you yes. know? Oh, I love that. So intention, attention and the, the highest good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, totally. And, and it just you, play. <laughs> yes. And then you can really, it, it, it gives you, you know, if you, if you needed permission, like I think I, you know, said I did, uh, it gives you permission to make ritual of anything, you know, to really live in, uh, in ceremony, a way that is in intention based and in mindful and present so that when you're making your cup of tea, and I, I mentioned this in another podcast, but that like when I make my morning cup of tea, it, it's a ritual, right? I, I have this intention. I have this like sacred moment, which literally may last two minutes before my little ones are, you know, or, but it's, it's my moment. It's my moment to, to really feel uh, just a, a way to drop in, in my day and to do it every day that uh, feels a potent time to be transformative, to be, uh, you know, transcendent. <laughs> I love that you're bringing that up uh, around the tea ceremony because it, it really highlights that we can engage with ritual in all different ways. And, and, it, but it's always like when somebody has a ritual of like going for a run in the morning or a yoga practice, you know, that there's something that at the end of it, they feel transformed, right? This is why they do it. Um, and so I, I, I love that you brought that in it, because it really, when, when we're moving through our life, engaging in this way, we are literally engaging consciously with the magic that is all around us. So our life just takes on this wonder, this awe in every moment. We're like, you know, the, the things that show up for us are always a sign, you know? So like, I don't know, whatever the song that comes on as soon as we get into the car, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, the universe is communicating with us. And when we live in, in alignment with ceremony and ritual, and we engage in this way, then we, we are aware of how the universe is communicating to us. And, and it's so makes life literally makes life fun, you know? Yes. And you, you feel, uh, supported, but you supported and you feel, you don't feel so like alone. You're a mom of like little ones. There are times that you can feel kind of alone on the journey of raising kids, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, even with a supportive partner or everything, it can still feel very like isolating at times. So when you can step into something like that, like a ritual that's playful or whatever, but that you feel that the universe has your back to quote totally. Bernstein, but like, yes. you know, to, to be like, oh, this song just came on. Like, let the, let me look into this as a way of creating intention and seeing the, just the, the magic of, of life. 
I, I absolutely agree. And I, and you know, with little ones too, they can get in on the ritual too. Yes. My son is 10 and he, he like, you know, I literally have a cauldron and use my cauldron to do transformative stuff. And, you know, he's, he's like, Oh, where are you going now? You're going to the beach as I carry my cauldron down to the beach, you know, like he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, he's part, he participates. He, he, he's, he's aware of it. And it just, it's, it's sort of like what my mom did, you know, it just doesn't, he's growing up in you know, a way that it's exposed to him. And, um, and so that, that idea too, that when we are experiencing the support from the universe, our kids learn that we are supported from the universe. So they start to say things like, oh, my angels, I'm going to ask them for this, or I'm going to ask, you know, they start, it starts to become part of the reality. So it's also, and, and because kids are just amazing, <laughs> they're just amazing. Um, that they can also inform, right? Like they can say, you could say, I'm doing a solstice ritual. Hey, you know, what, what do you think we should do on this? And, and they, they'll bring in the most amazing ideas. And so anyway, it's something you can also do with your kids. So I just wanted to add that because you brought up kids. Cause I just, yes, for sure. It can feel isolating and, and engaging in ceremony and ritual and engaging in relating to the universe as, as truly having our back is a way to feel like we are not alone. That's what the goddess does. She's, she unifies, you know, it's the best. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, having little ones, like you said, like in on it too, is the, is the best. So it, it is. is allowing, it does allow them to not lose that sense of wonder as they grow, right. As they get Absolutely. older to honor <sighs> that. Oh, this has been, uh, it's been such a great conversation. What is one last thing, Shauna, that you would like to share with everyone, um, maybe that we haven't touched on yet or any sort of piece of advice, anything that you'd like to share? Well, I, thank you for that opportunity. I would say that uh, one of the reasons I'm so drawn to Inanna is because she she is willing to be who she is. So this is like, own your own your authority, you know, stand. It's beautiful to be extraordinary and you're all extraordinary and to own that and to really sort of allow yourself to see yourself as a holy one, you know, and just do it unapologetically, take up space, be as loud as you want, you know, like let yourself be heard and, and know that in doing this, you are reconnecting or opening your heart to yourself, you know? And so allow yourself to be you. <laughs> And celebrate you. Most importantly, literally celebrate you. Because Inanna, one of the lines that drew me to her, or the stanzas that drew me to her was about seeing her leaning back against this apple tree. And she's looking down and gazing upon her wondrous vulva. And she literally celebrates herself. She literally is like in awe of her extraordinariness. Can we all do this? Let us all do this. <laughs> yes. May it be so. <laughs> so it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. And so if any of our listeners want to to find uh find you to connect with you Shauna, where um where can they find you? Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, my website is my full name, so it's shaunazalazo.com and the book The Way of Inanna is available at booksellers worldwide and I have a podcast too. So, you can find all that out on my website. <laughs> 
Perfect. Oh, and I will be sure to include that on the show notes of the of the episode. I'll have the link to to Shauna and you're on Instagram too as well, correct? Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll link to that too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such an absolute pleasure connecting with you today. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Oh, and same. I'm so, so thankful, Shauna, that you shared all this beautiful, amazing wisdom with all, uh, with myself and all the listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 